That's right. Do not adjust your sets. You are not imagining this. Do not adjust your headphones. It's actually happening. I'm here to talk to you guys about AEW. It's truly the end times, isn't it? Let's talk about it. Here's a new one for you. What's going on, everybody? It's your buddy, it's your pals, Pass Phoenix, the YWC Reality Check, here with your Friday, the 13th of August, 2021, AEW Rampage Review. Because why the fuck not, really? Um, yeah, I'm going to try this out for a while. It's a one-hour show. It's on a Friday night when, eh, you know, lockdowns are mostly open, mostly undone still some restrictions in place maybe more phase four is coming in soon i need to review something and i've got a pretty loaded a pretty loaded friday night as it as it stands right now uh as you guys know most fridays i come up here with a video uh with uh, with mostly jake demarco sometimes guapo uh back when Kristen was joining us for the wrestling stuff sometimes Kristen as well all those videos are always pre-done they are always done on the Thursday, and the video just goes out on the Friday. I, I've had a couple of people ask me recently, like, hey, how can I get in the call or whatever? Unfortunately, those, when I put a premiere up, it's not, like, live live. It's the live playing of a, uh, a pre-recorded thing. So I don't, because Thursday is my recording time with, or, or I should say my collaborative time with Guapo, with Jake, with whoever uh, I don't watch impact on the night so now as you can imagine if I'm home if I'm not going to the movie theaters which is so glad the movie theaters are back I've got impact Smackdown and now rampage to watch now for everybody that thought four hours of wrestling on a Wednesday was a lot was way too much etc even though it made Wednesdays awesome uh, I present to you my five hours of wrestling on a Friday but am I going to go back to reviewing SmackDown? No, not really, uh, because there's not enough to really sink my teeth into, and you guys can imagine what I think of main roster WWE right now, considering what they're doing to NXT, and I would talk about Impact more, but as much as I'm dipping my toe back into watching Impact, I it's one of those I doubt anybody would care, or enough people would care to, to uh, make it a weekly thing. I'm going to be up here more often talking to you guys when Impact has pay-per-views coming, coming and going or whatever. I will I will do that some more. Uh, I don't think I'm going to review Impact week to week. I'm going to try a Rampage, mostly because it seems like it's going to be a match-heavy show. And secondly, it's a one-hour show. So uh, it's going to be a little my intention anyways. Uh, and, you know, the best, uh, the, the road to hell is paved with good, bad, or indifferent intentions. Uh, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to treat this differently than I treat the NXT reviews. I'm not going to be uh, giving you the breakdowns of matches the way I do on it. I like what I do on NXT when I give you the breakdown of the match and the X, the Y, the Z of the matches and all that sort of thing because NXT lends itself to that style. AEW doesn't so much. So I'm more gonna I'm gonna be coming up here with much more general thoughts of how things go. It may not necessarily go uh, from bell to bell. It may not even go necessarily from the top of the show to the bottom of the show. It might just be a case of, hey, here's what I think happened this week. It's going to be a very, very loose type of, of review. Um, and that'll, that'll still uh, keep a distinction between NXT and AEW. But also, 
because as you guys know, my note-taking ability is not always the best. Uh, when I did the Cruiserweight Classic way back in the day, my notes were terrible because the action was fast. Uh, anytime there's a multi-person match or a, uh, or a pile of people match, as I've tended to call them, uh, I've, I've, I've made similar claims. I'm like, hey, it's a pile of people match. My notes are what they are. Let's see what we can do. Uh, in my, uh, in my NXT Rewind series, eventually I'm going to get into, like, the War Games matches and, and stuff like that, and, uh, God help me, that's going to take a long time. So, AEW, being a much more fast-paced style in general, much more fast-paced show in general, I'm not going to burn through the clipboard trying to keep up with all the notes and all that. It's just, it doesn't lend itself to that. So this is going to be a different type of review, uh, which means I'm going to stumble through it and I'm going to find my feet and all that, all that kind of thing. But uh, I've rambled on long enough. I've rambled for four minutes. I'm not going to do the house cleaning. Uh, I'm going to keep the house cleaning as the little opening segment that it is for, uh, for my NXT reviews. And we're going to jump right into the show instead. First of all, I want to say, cool to have uh, another extra little bit of something on a Friday, as I say. Second of all, and I didn't realize it until literally today, the, the cool factor of them having their first episode on Friday the 13th. Me being a big horror fan, but also me having a lot of friends that are in like the motor, not myself personally, but a lot of friends that are in the motorcycle community, Friday the 13th is a big thing. So however you're celebrating Friday the 13th, happy Friday the 13th. And I will say, right off the bat, uh, differences between this and Dynamite. And uh, they're not that many. The stage is slightly different. The stage is slightly smaller. It feels pretty much like a one-hour dynamite. That's not a bad thing. It, it means it still has that signature AEW feel, which now that they are back in front of crowds that are not necessarily Daly's Place, is a hot feeling. It's a, it's a hot crowd, etc. Um, I will say, for all the for all the issues that I have with AEW, when AEW comes to Toronto, you better know that I'm going. And it seems like the idea going forward is they're going to be, whenever they go to a city, they're going to be selling two ticket packages for like Dynamite and Rampage uh, on the Wednesday and the Friday of any given week. If that continues to be the case, I will get a double ticket and I will, I will go. Because my issues with AEW notwithstanding, they have hot crowds. They have crowds that are willing the show to be good. WWE, unfortunately NXT these days, um, have a crowd that sort of sits there, and I don't understand the WWE crowd, and this is going to go off on a tangent already, I can tell. WWE crowds sit in the state, and not to say that what they're getting is, is good, I can't defend a lot of what WWE is doing right now, but WWE crowds walk into a stadium, sit down and say, alright fuckers, impress me, whereas AEW now is the same as early days NXT, for any of you that have caught the first couple of episodes of NXT Rewind, uh, the early days full sale takeovers, uh, there was a feeling that the crowd itself was just willing the show to be good. And th that comes with newness. That comes with, hey, it's the it's the new shiny toy that we've got to look at for the first time or the first couple of years or whatever. AEW definitely has that right now. Not to say that they're not working for it, but I, as soon as the borders open up more and as soon as we're allowed to have uh, larger gatherings, as soon as... Uh, you know, Tony Khan and Cody Rhodes and whoever else makes those decisions decides Canada's worth coming to because, you know, maybe they don't. Who knows? Uh, I'll definitely be going to a show. Uh, this show had that same feeling. As I say, the stage was slightly different. If you asked me, if you told me to look at the stage and say what's different, I couldn't even tell you. They've got the two tubes set up. I think the bar lighting that's above was set up a bit different. Maybe maybe they had rearranged a couple of the screens, etc. Um, 
commentary was interesting. Uh, it wasn't as, as cluttered as I thought it was going to be. It's a four-man booth. It's Excalibur, Taz, Chris Jericho, and Mark Henry. Mark Henry is is really good on commentary. He doesn't sound performative. He's just putting in his two cents when needed. I mean, obviously, Jericho's done a lot of commentary. Uh, Taz has done a lot of commentary, both AEW and WWE. Um, in fact, early days, SmackDown, when it was Michael Cole and Taz, is probably one of Probably not my favorite, but one of the more fun combinations of people. And I mean, Excalibur holds the booth together on Dynamite. So, of course, he's going to hold the booth together here. That's not a disrespect thing to Tony Schiavone and, and Jim Ross before anybody goes and misquotes me. But the, what, I'm, what I'm trying to get around to is I thought that the four-man booth would be a clusterfuck. Uh, or at least a little bit of talking over somebody, and I and I know uh, right now as I'm recording this, there's a video that Jake and I just did, fantasy booking um, how you would make a brand new Fed out of all the people that WWE has just released. L listening back to that today before it premiered, I could tell that I was talking over Jake, and I do that a lot, uh, especially if you go back to the three-person collabs that I used to do with Guapo and Kristen, uh, I go back and, and I kick myself in the ass a lot because I'm talking over them occasionally, they're talking over me, etc. And that's just, I, I'm not putting us down, but that's just, that's just us doing our thing on YouTube or, in, or on a podcast. I cannot imagine... Um, four voices trying to coexist on a on a national or international, I should say, television show. So shout out to them; they were a lot of fun. We started off the match, and the, or we started off the show rather with Christian versus Omega, and this is so unique for so many reasons. I mean, we've got Christian uh, versus Omega set for all out for the AEW Championship, but this was Christian going to Scott Demore because open door and all that kind of thing. Um, getting himself a shot at the Impact Championship. Now, there's a lot of interesting things about that. The first the first match, the first title match on this brand new AEW show is AEW star Kenny Omega defending against new AEW star Christian Cage for the Impact Championship. Now, on the one hand, AEW fans might say, well, why aren't you defending one of our titles first to kick off this new era, this new television um, experience called Rampage. And Impact fans might say, uh, if there's going to be a title change, why why aren't you doing it in front of us? It's very cool, but also the, the cool factor of it for me, and I've, and I've said it before, it's very... Um, I'm going to keep saying cool because I can't think of a better word because it's late on a Friday night and I'm lazy. It's really cool that... Uh, that uh, Christian Cage has his old Impact music. And it's really cool if you think back through his history in that company. He is a former TNA champion, although I think it was still the NWA TNA championship when he held it. Somebody can correct me down in the box below that has a better memory than me. That He, he had the same NWA TNA title that R-Truth had. Remember when R-Truth was considered like top of the card, serious guy coming out smoking, etc. So Christian opening up this show, fighting for... The, what is now the new incarnation of the of the TNA championship ha, has a cool little niche feeling to it. Uh, Omega comes out with Callus and nobody else, which sort of foreshadows that somebody else is going to come out later on. But he comes out with all the belts, and it's not until they he hands over the AAA or the uh, uh, what is it the AAA Omega 
championship. Somebody is going to correct me once again in the box down below. Obviously, he hands over the AEW championship. And even the on people said this about Christian last uh, last Wednesday when he set up this match, and the commentators did it tonight too. Is they really do say, "Look at Omega, he's got all that gold," but we really know the title that matters. Like. I do think with this relationship that they have with Impact, they do have to be careful with that kind of shit. I mean, obviously, you're going to have pride for your own brand first, but I'd be careful with that. And it wasn't until the, the referee went to hold up the belts is I forgot that they were doing, or I didn't forget, but it didn't really hit me, that they're doing the two belts thing, the old TNA belt uh, that Moose was carrying around for a while, and the actual Impact Championship, which me immediately made me think once again that Chris Jericho is on commentary and he's the guy that beat Austin and The Rock in the same night and became the undisputed WWE champion and held up, that's right, two belts and then Daniel Bryan did it later on or whatever. So I thought there was some probably really, really unintentional symmetry happening there and Jericho's popping for the two belts, etc. Um... I really do like the old TNA belt better. I The current Impact titles... They've got a look to them, and it works, but if you hold that title up to the TNA title, it's kind of like holding up a current WWE title up against the big gold belt. It's just, it's not the same. Uh, the match starts off with a lot of uh, stare-downs and psych-outs, and that, uh, before they even touch, the crowd loved it. I will say, much like on Wednesday, the Pittsburgh crowd here on Friday was amazing. Early on, Christian shows that he, there's in a, in a really nice, really smooth move, uh, that he can counter the one-winged angel into the kill switch. I keep wanting to call it the unprettier but it's, you know, they're calling it the kill switch, so I should call it the kill switch. He basically slides out of the one-winged angel into the, into the kill switch position, which brings me to another thing that I was really looking forward to in this match was that, and I don't mean any disrespect to either guys, Kenny Omega is sort of the personification of this new, like, indie-rific, explosive, like, cocaine special uh, type of wrestling, and Christian, uh, and he's good at it, He's really good at it. He's more of the superstar um, style of wrestler. I, I always go back to Money in the Bank 2011. Look at CM Punk and John Cena. You've got the wrestler. You've got the superstar. Christian is the superstar in, the, in, in this scenario. And I thought it's a test for both guys because it means that Christian literally has to turn up his pace to match Kenny Omega. All due credit to Kenny Omega. The guy is insane. Um... But also, it means Omega has to mold his style to like accept that that like half step back, if that makes sense. They did a really good job of that. A lot of their shit was really smooth. Um, Omega going for a very very typical Omega suicide dive at one point that was countered by Christian, who did a suicide baseball slide through the ropes was a really nice spot. Another really nice spot that I did not expect from Christian Cage was a jumping, and I've got it written down, this is the only way I, I can describe it, a jumping top rope sunset flip bomb, and when I say sunset flip bomb, he planted him pretty much in the center of the ring. Um, they had a whole bunch of uh, ending spots, as they usually do. You know where Kenny Omega gets him down, pulls him back up for a kick, and takes him down again. Uh, Christian went for the spear at one point, and he ate Kenny Omega's knee super fucking hard. And the crowd, at the end, was biting on every single near fall and exchange and little bit of, uh, little bit of what do you call it... Um, I guess, momentary advantage one had over the other. Like, it was a constant acceleration of the crowd gasping and the crowd cheering. And then, what they did was really cool here, because at one point, he, uh, 
the referee was distracted by, I think by Don Callis, uh, Kenny Omega got the low blow in, and the, the low blow literally put a stop to the, to the fast-paced exchanges that they were having, deflated the crowd completely. The Bucks came in, they were there with a the chair, uh, they were there with a the chair, they were causing further distraction. Kenny Omega sets up to hit the one-winged angel on the chair, but... We've already proven earlier on in the match that Christian Cage can counter the unprettier into, sorry, counter the one-winged angel into the kill switch. He hits the kill, kill switch on the seat of the chair because it's standing and it's open and it's whatever, and now the distraction is not in Kenny Omega's favor. He hits the kill switch, and by fucking God, Christian Cage not only beats Kenny Omega, not only becomes a brand new champion, but he is the very first winner on the very first episode of Rampage. I did not see that coming at all. I went into this show thinking we got three title matches coming that are going to be awesome, and they're all predictable as hell. Um, I didn't know what to think after this. I'm not going to lie. Uh, Jurassic Express come out to celebrate with Christian Cage because they've got their whole thing going on. Um, I mean, ultimately, if Christian Cage is going to be the Impact champion, I'd like to see him go and do some cool stuff with the people in Impact, work with the, you know, the Rich Swans and the Sammy Callhans. Oh, my God, Christian versus... Uh, Josh Alexander would be great. Sorry, my voice is really shit right now. But, I mean, if Christian Cage wants to give Jungle Boy an Impact Championship title shot, that would be a really cool story, too. Like, out of... Not out of competition, not out of uh, out of uh, any ill will, but out of, out of respect and out of, like, trying to boost him up. That'd be really cool. I mean, I'd take Christian versus uh, Luchasaurus as well. Along with Jurassic Express, also Scott Demore from Impact comes out to congratulate Christian Cage as we go to the commercial break. After we get back from the commercial break, we got Mark Henry leaving the commentator booth uh, interviewing Christian Cage. You know, basically it's the, hey, you took one belt off him. Do you think you're going to take another belt off him at the pay-per-view type thing? Uh, couldn't really concentrate on anything that anybody was saying at that point because you couldn't help but notice that Christian was not only celebrating with a bunch of drinks with a bunch of the boys, he was celebrating with, oh yes, a little bit of the bubbly. And that popped me rotten. Anyways, that was really cool. I didn't know what to, like, if you want to start off a show with the, yeah, don't predict anything, because I thought that this was going to be, hey, they're going to give us a really good match, they're going to give us a really good preview of what we can expect at All Out, and then there's going to be a schmoz, and then we're going to tell some story going forward. No, they just put the title on Christian, which I'm totally cool with. And because of that weird double belt thing, it means that Christian, uh, I mean, you have to take this in its loosest terms, Kenny Omega just lost half of his belts to Christian. Now, it's two belts that signify one title, so that really doesn't, it, it's not the same thing. I mean, it, it bodes well for uh, Andrade El Idolo, because isn't he getting a shot at the AAA Mega Championship sometime soon? And this could be the destruction of Kenny Omega, but I'm not going to fantasy book that tonight because I'm way too tired. You know what's really easy to talk about? Uh, the current TNT champion, Miro. Now, I'm not going to say much about Miro here because we do have All Out coming up. And um, obviously myself and Guapo are going to... Why did the light go out? Why is that a thing? Don't need this. Don't need any of this. Guapo and I are going to try to get together and preview all out and when I get him on the show when you're not necessarily seeing the pretty sexy face in the gimmick hat uh, I'm gonna have a discussion with him because I have a lot of weird up and down uh, opinions of Miro there's a lot of things that are really awesome about Miro and there's a lot of things that are really questionable about Miro especially currently with his 
uh, the Redeemer gimmick and how that works with him being the TNT champion or whatever. But he's taking off Fuego Del Sol, who I don't really know anything about because I don't watch Dark or Dark Elevation. I'm sorry, I'm just, I just don't. Uh, what I've heard through rumors and other podcasts, etc., is basically he's the one of the characters that's sort of been adopted by the crowd. He's trying to scrape himself away, and I think, uh, I think somebody said his record is like 50 and one, or sorry, one and 50 or something like that. But the crowd, and the crowd is behind him. The crowd loves him. The crowd is really, really like wrestling crowds in general. General are really easy to get behind luchadors because luchadors are always fun. Luchadors are superheroes come to life, and I don't, I and I don't mean to to bring down the the whole lucha heritage thing into like tr saying that they're cartoons because that's not how I mean it. But it's really hard to get a, a a bunch of luchadors or any luchadors that the crowd isn't behind. I mean, it took Sin Cara being Sin Cara to, to, for people to sort of sour on him. But look at the likes of Rey Mysterio. Look at uh, even uh, in a brief period of time, you had Kalisto as Cruiserweight Champion. That was fine. Look at the uh, Lucha Brothers in AEW as another, as another great example. Um, so very easy for me to believe. And from what I saw here, uh, very, very briefly, admittedly, um, I, there's a lot to like. I'd like to see. I'm, it's one of those. I'd like to see more. I should probably watch Dark or Dark Elevation, but I. Uh, I mean, one of them's on during Raw. I could just flip over, couldn't I? But the other one's on while NXT is going on, and while NXT is on life support, I'm still gonna be. I'm still gonna be loyal to NXT. Uh, but the idea being that he doesn't have a contract. He's been fighting without a contract. He's been competing without a contract. And if he wins the TNT title tonight, which is definitely not going to happen, he's also going to get a ch uh, contract. So the referee is not only holding up the belt at the beginning of the match, but also uh, contract on a clipboard. We have to be very visual and physical with the with the uh, with the props and all that sort of thing, which is fine. That's what wrestling does. Um, he rocks Miro with three straight tornado DDTs, like playing up the the desperation for that contract right off the bat it's it's funny when you get somebody indestructible like Miro who all of a sudden has to look like he's been caught off guard because big dudes that are so that are used to being booked as dominantly as he's being booked right now don't know how to be vulnerable so they just sort of freeze and lumber and I don't know what to I don't know what to do with that it's not their fault they're not used to taking offense you, they're used to telling the story that they're destroying whoever's in the ring so i don't know how you get around that i really don't but he gets back he hits him with a samoan drop which somebody on commentary corrects as it should be a bulgarian drop okay cool super kick game over fuego del sol is dead we go to commercial break and i'm like okay cool he'll be back on dark elevation trying to get himself a contract that's fine but we had the nice feel-good moment, and I, you know what, is this sappy, is it overplayed dramatics slightly? Absolutely yes, but I also love it. Like, you need to have some feel-good shit in your wrestling, and people are going to hate this comparison, but it's like Drake Maverick trying to keep his job after he got released uh, during the Cruiserweight Contenders Tournament on NXT when Triple H came out even after he lost and gave him a contract. Anyway, um... Sammy Guevara comes out with, I could have sworn he come out with Tony Khan, but Tony Khan must have just like walked out a little bit with him and then went away. Sammy Guevara gets into the ring, basically gives him a, hey, you didn't win your match tonight. Hey, I know your your record's like 1 in 50, but like these people love you and that's what matters and da-da-da-da-da, presents him with a contract and it's all, you know what, for a character that I don't really have any familiarity with what whatsoever, it's just some feel-good 
some feel-good shit. And the idea that Tony Khan turned around and went backstage again, and it was actually Sammy Guevara, like, this guy's, like, fellow, like, now that he's a contracted wrestler to AEW, his his fellow co-worker, his fellow roster member that got to give him the good news, that's a little bit, that's a little bit extra in there that WWE would not do. So I will really give AEW credit in that regard. That was a really awesome, really feel-good move, um, move on their part, really feel-good moment for their first episode of, of Rampage, and it, for, like, as I say, for a guy that I don't know anything about, now I want to see what he does, because I'm assuming now that they're making a big deal of his contract, maybe he'll be on, on, uh, Dynamite, maybe he'll spend some more time on Rampage, maybe he'll be the next one that gets his ass handed to him by Andrade El Idolo, because did he get, was he the one that got, like, beat the fuck out of backstage by Andrade, like, a week or so ago? I could be wrong. Please correct me down in the box below if I'm wrong, uh, because this is the first time I'm up here talking to you guys about AEW in any extended way without Guapo to prop me up. We got some promotion for next week's show, and normally I wouldn't talk about promotion. They happen to mention, uh, during the for the Rampage, the first dance, it's going to be the largest attended show of AEW's uh, short history so far, is that true? Like, is this a bigger? I'm not. I'm not questioning it because I, I want to put them down. Uh, but is it the biggest crowd they've ever had? Is it bigger than some of the pay-per-view crowds that they've had? I don't. I'm not familiar with the building that they're going to be in. But I mean, they're doing dynamite there as well, right? So is that not the same size crowd? I know we all know what's coming next Friday. It's you know, you might as well spit it. I will say, the one thing I will say about SmackDown, um, the promos between Roman Reigns and John Cena that managed to mention Nikki Bella, uh, CM Punk, and Dean Ambrose were were good. Go back and watch the opening promo from SmackDown. It does take up the first, like, 20 minutes of the show, and that's a little egregious, but it is really good. It's exactly what you, you know you're going to get from Cena and Roman. But, um... We have a flashback of all the Darby promos that have given us all the implication that we need for the arrival of CM Punk without saying CM Punk, which is which is which is great. Um, if it is the biggest audience they've ever had, obviously that's going to be a thing that they're going to celebrate and and rightfully so. But will they not? Like I said, I um, unless I'm wrong, unless they're going to because it's Chicago, obviously CM Punk and all that. Are they doing two different buildings in Chicago? Because if not, they're going to break their attendance record on Wednesday. I, uh, it's weird that they, they, they pushed the attendance, I mean, sorry, it's not weird that they pushed attendance, but it's weird that they pushed the attendance for the second night they're going to be in the same building. Does that make any sense at all? Probably not. I'm probably rambling. Or, maybe they just know that they've sold more tickets for the Friday show because CM Punk is showing up than they did for the Wednesday show, which is kind of weird, because that would be like... I don't know. That, I was I was about to say that would be like people buying more tickets for SmackDown than Raw, but I'm pretty sure that's how it would go right now, even though they're like five days apart. I need to stop making the WWE comparisons because they, they're just not working tonight. Main event in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. The uh, heel, quote-unquote, champion Britt Baker defending against Red Velvet, and they made a point of showing us uh, Chris Statlander in the crowd, which uh, made me really, really hopeful, and my hopes were were attended to at the end of the night, let's just say that. This is another weird one. This is, um... Velvet, 
Velvet, uh, or sorry, Red Velvet. I keep on wanting to say Velvet Underground, because that's the club I used to go to. And I keep wanting to say Velveteen Dream, but I don't want to talk about a diddler. So Red Velvet seems like she's sort of come out of nowhere, which is really, really unfair. Uh, because I know she's had matches on Dynamite. She's been the other person in the ring for matches for a lot of people that I like. And I'm, I'm sorry to say, but unfortunately, usually it's the other person in there. I think she had a match recently with Layla Hirsch, and I'm a really big fan of Layla Hirsch, and I'd love to see her get a title shot. But I don't... I know she's probably been building up her status or her ranking or whatever on Dark or Dark Elevation, but that's, that's a story that your main audience isn't seeing so when she comes up and claims her shot you're not gonna you're not gonna feel it i'm sorry unless you show like video highlights of dark and dark elevation on dynamite which is the actual television show that most people are watching that's a that's a glaring difference because i don't picture her side by side with Britt baker in the title picture i picture chris statlander i picture potentially the bunny potentially tay conte potentially serena deeb potentially um Thunder Rosa, uh, Hikaru Shida, Riho, when, when Riho decides to show up, even though I'm not a huge fan of her because they presented her in such a way, I picture Nyla Rose, in that sort of upper echelon of the AEW women's division, Red Velvet, she ain't there. Uh, or at least she's not been presented that way to me. Nothing against her as a wrestler, and as this match proves, she's she's far from lacking in the ring. Don't get me wrong, this was a great match. I think she was trying to play babyface but goddamn, is Britt Baker not the most over babyface heel they've got? I mean, the pop for for Britt Baker tonight was like otherworldly. I have, I have, you guys know, I've taken my fair shots at AEW and the way their women's division comes together. Uh, I still do for the most part because I think it, I think constructively it has a long way to go. I think. Brit, putting your most popular woman in the championship spot in Britt Baker, who's got like the greatest character right now, is an awesome step. I think the death match that she had with um, Thunder Rosa was awesome. Putting that in the main event, these are all like groundbreaking steps towards uh, presenting your division better. But doing it once and saying, okay, we've done it, doesn't work. I hold WWE to the same standard. Like, WWE main of had Trish Stratus and Lita main event Raw, and then after that, how long did it take till we got the the Sasha's and the Charlottes and the whoever getting their main events in Hells in the Cells? Big old gap in the middle there, um, and I don't want I don't want AEW to fall into that and think, okay, well we let them main event, it's fine, like they'll be fine now, and I really don't want them to say, okay, we have a second show now. We'll just let the ladies' main event on Rampage and not do it on, on the main show. Like, there's a lot, there's a lot to struggle with there. More, more simply though, is they've got the title on the right person because holy fuck is Britt Baker over? I love Britt Baker. I think Britt Baker's great, and I don't ever. I, I hate the whole like associate you know this person with this person or you know this person's dating this person so you know there's all the talk right now that well of course Adam Cole's gonna leave NXT and he's gonna go to AEW because his wife is there or his girlfriend or whatever is there and even she said yeah guys that's really short-sighted retarded thinking but the way she presents her heel character, the way she's able to soak up the fact that her hometown crowd loves her while completely maintaining her heel persona 
is is very Adam Cole-esque. And I'm not saying that just because she's Mrs. Cole Bay Bay, as I've said in the past. It's that like, he very much does the same thing in NXT. Like, even when he's being the most dastardly version of himself, he's still one of the most over guys on that brand. Take, uh... Take Balor and uh, Balor and Champa and Gargano out of the equation, and there's not even a contest. Like nobody else that he's fighting from the undisputed era is is that over. Um, we've heard uh, my uh, my NXT co-host Jake Demarco talk about going to Takeover where Johnny was the face and, and Adam Cole was the heel, and Adam Cole was still the most over guy in the building. Like you can't you can't suppress it. And Britt Baker ironically is so much the same it's ridiculous they were telling the story throughout the entire match about her arm obviously she's got the the fracture in her wrist she's got a really convoluted cast on because she's got a brace on and a glove on and a big overcast like this that's got like a knob on it so i don't know whether it like opens and closes or what the deal is with that very very not as awkward looking as the cast that jericho has been going around recently but it is what it is brit breaker sorry I can speak, I swear. Britt Baker is so over that even when her partner is cheating on the outside, Rebel Reba gets cheered for helping the heel cheat. It is what it is. Uh, at one point in the match, Baker hit a pretty dirty-looking curb stomp. Um, Velvet uses the... I can't read my own writing. That's terrible. Eventually, Velvet does go for it. She doesn't go for the arm at first. Like, she is just trying to wrestle at various points. As her frustration goes further, though, you see her dip into, like, okay, maybe that's not such a bad idea and going for the thing. And eventually, she does uh, go for the cast. Eventually, she does tear, uh, tear the cast away. Um, Britt Baker sells it as like not being able to lock in this lock in her submission, the lockjaw. Um, Reba tries to cheat one more time. She gets tossed out. Baker, figuring out that she has to protect her hand, instead just knocks her down and hits her with a wicked-looking curb stomp. I mean, Seth Rollins could learn a thing or two, and you guys know I'm a fan of Seth Rollins. Velvet tries to use the lockjaw herself. This was a great sequence at the end because it was showing Britt Baker as as a thinker like you were watching brett baker think you weren't just watching her wrestle which i thought was a really cool and important thing because as i say brett baker super over great character great on the mic etc and i think a lot of people were saying that she's a great character she's gotten herself over whatever she's a great champion but the in-ring stuff was starting to falter i think this match alone you you look at this match in a bubble it's going to do a lot to go against that theory and a lot of it a lot of that is watching her realize throughout the match that, hey, I can't do this anymore, I need to do this, hey, I can't do this anymore, I need to do this. Velvet goes to use the lockjaw herself because, oh my god, I'm going to get you with your own finisher. Baker reverses it, tries to lock in the lockjaw herself, can't do it because she's got the sore hand and doesn't have any protection on it anymore, reverses it again into a lockjaw from the other side with the good hand, gets the submission win, and basically disposes of, of Red Velvet. Post-match, she gets a post-match, or she's about to post-match assault. She's about to give her the curb stomp on the belt. Um, she gets saved by Chris Statlander, but Chris Statlander gets jumped by Jamie Hayter, which is a name I know. Context is escaping me because it's super late on a Friday. Um, I guess Baker's added a third person to her little faction along with her and Rebel Reba, which is fine. Ultimately, this means... 
or it doesn't necessarily mean I'm not dictating anything, but this really does indicate heavily to me that you're going that looking forward towards all out, you've got two of the most popular women in the company going for that belt, and that's Britt Baker and that's Chris Statlander. I love Chris Statlander. I love the whole alien thing. I it's weird seeing her with the best friends in Orange Cassidy. Because to me personally, not not with the crowd, not with the company itself, with me personally as the guy watching the TV over there, Chris Statlander's more over than any of them. <laughs> I, she's great. The alien thing is weird. You guys won't be surprised to know that I like the weird character. Hell, give Abaddon a push. It's fine. But this was a great match. Did a whole lot to show, as I said, what Britt Baker can do once the bell rings, which is, I think, the only thing that she might have been missing for some people. Set up a match that I really want to see between her and Statlander. And this was a really good show, guys. This was a... And this is me talking about AEW. This is me who has a million nitpicks that I could make about AEW if I wanted to, but this, if this is what Rampage is going to be like, you know, less nonsense, less segments, more like, here, have a match, have a match, have a match, and it's going to be shit like this, you're going to give me a surprise like you gave me in the first match with Christian going over Kenny Omega, hometown boy Christian, for me, going over Kenny Omega, which I still don't understand the godlike status, even though he's a great wrestler, we've had that discussion before, you're going to have Miro out there killing fools, but the fool that just got killed still got a contract. We got a nice feel-good moment that involves Sammy Guevara, who I'm also a huge fan of. Guys, for me, for me, the super biased WWE NXT guy, the first ever episode of AEW Rampage, huge fucking win. Huge fucking win. I don't have a single bad thing to say about this show. Even the shameless plugging of next week's show was done well. What else do you want me to say? Anyways, thanks for joining me for the first ever AEW Rampage review. Uh, this isn't going to go for premiere. This is just going to drop and you guys are going to watch it whenever you feel like watching it because I doubt you guys are going to watch a premiere of this midday on a Saturday. So pick it up whenever you pick it up. Pick it up in your audio platforms if you want to pick it up on your audio platforms. And I'm pretty much done. I'm My face is done pretending that it's awake. Uh, I've been Spaz, your YWC reality check. Subscribe up there, talk down there, start a conversation. Keep all these conversations going. Don't be a stranger. I will talk to each and every last one of you later. But for right now, tagging out, guys. Bye.